0: On About Books, we delve into the latest news about the publishing industry with interesting insider interviews with publishing industry experts. We'll also give you updates on current nonfiction authors and books, the latest book reviews, and we'll talk about the current nonfiction books featured on C-SPAN's Book TV. And this is About Books, Book TV's program and podcast that looks at the business of publishing. Now, in just a few minutes, New York Times books and publishing reporter Elizabeth Harris will join us to talk about how the Book Talk social media phenomenon is changing the publishing industry. Book Talk is part of the social media empire of TikTok. But first, here's a look at some of the latest stories in the publishing world. Best selling author, Hilary Mantel has died. The British author of the historical novel Wolf Hall was the two-time winner of the Booker Prize, England's Highest Literary Award. And as the holiday months approach, various booksellers and literary groups are releasing their lists of best books of 2022. Being named to one of those lists can serve to boost book sales as much as they do an author's prestige. Here's a few of the recent announcements. From Barnes & Noble, some of their best books of 2022 include Ben McIntyre's Prisoners of the Castle. It's a history of the Nazi maximum security prison that was used to house escape-prone allied prisoners. There's also I'm Glad My Mom Died. This is by director and singer Jeanette McCurdy. It's a memoir of her time as a child star in Hollywood and her victimization at the hands of her mother, and the television industry. And one book on this year's Barnes and Noble list won't be released until November. It's former first lady Michelle Obama's forthcoming book, The Light We Carry. It's a follow-up on her best-selling memoir Becoming, and it is set for release on November 15th. Well, another closely watched annual best book list comes from the nonprofit National Book Foundation. Their National Book Awards were first established in 1950 to celebrate the best in American writing. In the nonfiction category this year, finalists include Megan O'Rourke for The Invisible Kingdom, Reimagining Chronic Illness, Imani Perry for South to America, A Journey Below the Mason-Dixon, to Understand the Soul of a Nation. David Quammen is also on the list for Breathless, The Scientific Race to Defeat a Deadly Virus. Author Ingrid Rojas Contreras wrote The Man Who Could Move Clouds, a memoir. And Robert Samuels and Tolu Olorunipa for His Name is George Floyd, One Man's Life, and the Struggle for Racial Justice. And those are the finalists for the National Book Award in the Nonfiction category. The winners of this year's awards will be announced in New York City on November 16th, and Book TV will be covering, as we always do, that awards ceremony. And now a focus on a more recent phenomenon that is having a major impact on book sales. New York Times books and publishing reporter Elizabeth Harris joins our program to talk about the social media phenomenon known as book talk. So, Ms. Harris, when did Book Talk get started and exactly what is it?
1: So, uh, Book Talk, um, publishers started to notice Book Talk probably about a year and a half ago roughly and book talk is um it's sort of it's it's a hashtag within uh the platform TikTok, which is uh you know like traffics in you know very short videos often people dancing or people cooking or people saying funny things or or you know it can be anything um and uh book talk is people talking about books uh, and it can be uh, videos of sort of individuals talking about books. It can just be sort of flashing a list of covers and that sort of thing. And uh, publishers started noticing early last year that it was, um, you know, people weren't just talking. They were, um, they were buying the books they were hearing about, and it was starting to move a substantial number of copies and has become a real, um, a real sales force in the industry.
0: So how many views are some of these uh, videos garnering?
1: Oh, gosh, I mean, hundreds of thousands easily, um, you know, I mean, it's, it, it can really, it can really be huge. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's very hit and miss, like a lot of social media. I mean, just because you tag something for book talk doesn't mean it's going to go viral, but a lot of things really do. And there are also, um, there are uh, subsections within book talk. So there are sort of people who want to talk about romance novels, there are people who want to talk about nonfiction, there are people who want to talk about, LGBTQYA, like, there, it gets very, it can be very, um, it can be very segmented, um, and uh, so, you know, sort of some, uh, some segments are also bigger than others, so it varies a lot.
0: So Elizabeth Harris, did this grow organically? Can anyone um, hashtag book talk, put up a video?
1: It did grow organically, which is so interesting. I mean, you know, publishers have been um, paying attention to social media for years and years. Um, and YouTube used to sell a lot of books and still sell some. Uh, publishers and um, and readers are, um, are active on Instagram. They're, uh, what is it called? Bookstagram, I think. Uh, but nothing has ever sold... Uh, sold books the way Book Talk is doing, um, which is really interesting. And yeah, it just it has its users. I mean, it's not even u- it's readers basically. These are readers, and it started with mainly young people who were just talking to each other about books they loved, and they would you know post videos of themselves like weeping, holding the book in their hand, being like this book destroyed <laughs> me, and throw it across the room, um, and the book and the poster go viral because you know that's that's a big part of why people read is they want to go on an emotional journey and the videos um on book talk are really good about kind of very quickly and very specifically imparting exactly how you're going to feel when you read the book
0: have there been some breakout stars when it comes to these book reviews
1: oh sure i mean the biggest is colleen hoover um who has been writing for years. She began as a self-published novelist um, and sort of started and and kind of took off on her own. And then she really exploded um, during the pandemic when, which was when BookTok was really taking off. She has sold 20 million books now um, and uh, it's not all TikTok, but that's a lot of, that's been a lot of it. And I mean, it's amazing. You look at the fiction bestseller list on any week and it's like half the Colleen Hoover list. It's really incredible. Um, But there have also been um, uh, one example I really like is uh, Madeline Miller, um, who wrote uh, The Song of Achilles, which is a a love story about Achilles and Patroclus. Um, It's very tragic. And, you know, it's a gay love story about, you know, there's war and people die. And like, this is not an obvious You know, this is not like an upbeat romantic comedy, romance novel sort of thing. Like it's not necessarily an easy book, uh, but it has sold, I don't actually know where it is now, but over a million copies. And I think its original print run was something like 20,000 books. It really took everyone by surprise, but it, um, and it came out a couple of years ago, but just sort of took off again because of, um, because of TikTok and has sold incredibly well.
0: Well, we want to show an example. This is an example of a history book.
2: Seven historical nonfiction books that Betty and I both love. Number one, History of the World in Six Classes. This is my go-to, like, big scope of history. Devil in the White City is a crazy and true story. Chicago World's Fair, serial killer, classic book club book. If you want to have your mind blown and get a little philosophical, Debbie E.B. Du Bois' The Souls of Black Folk is beautiful and a work of art. If you don't have a lot of time on your hands, I recommend you just read one chapter of this a night, maybe f- to celebrate Pride Month. It's really great, short, digestible stories. Apparently, Betty's not into biographies, but I am. Number one, Genghis Khan and the Making of the Modern World, world history perspective, anti Eurocentrism. Number two, the biography of Augustus by Anthony Everett, like stuck with me from grad school. Really amazing story. And last but certainly not least, it's got to be Eleanor. Happy reading.
0: So Elizabeth Harris were using Betty the Beagle to sell mm-hmm. books.
1: I mean, who doesn't love a dog? That's brilliant, right? <laughs> but I mean, TikTok, um, BookTok um, uh, also loves a list. Um, when you give sort of very short snippet reviews of um, of a couple of books or just list a couple of books and say why you do or don't like them or you put them in a category, um, a lot of those have done very well, like... Um, uh, I looked at TikTok this morning, there were, um, I got a couple uh, like books I would kill to be able to read again for the first time, uh, things like that or six books that will destroy you or um, six, you know, I don't know, like enemies to lovers books, things like that. So, you know, that that kind of fits into the same the same thing where it's like, here's here's a list if you're looking for a particular kind of thing, here's my thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, and if you're looking for this, you want to try this. And they're, you know, they're very kind of specific, very quick, very like user-friendly, reader-oriented.
0: So if you wanted to make a TikTok book review video, where would you start? How long would it be? Uh, Would it have to be a little bit edgy
1: To be edgy, I would say it has to be short. You don't want to make it longer than, you know, some of them are a minute or so long, but, you know, 30 seconds is plenty often. Um, uh, I mean, one thing people have done um, to sort of game the system a little bit is um, part of the algorithm in TikTok works by using music. And if there is a music clip that's going viral and doing quite well, if you put that music in your video, that can help kind of how that can help your video do better um, and get more views, so I might do something sneaky like that. Um, But, you know, in terms of sort of edgy or not, I would say edgy is less important than emotional because not all of them are emotional. Some of them are funny. Um, Some of them are, um, are are, are created by readers who have developed a following and people kind of like their tastes and they trust that they'll say, you know, this book sucks if they think it sucks and this book is great, if they think it's great. Um, but you don't have to have a lot of followers to go viral on TikTok. Um, but yeah, I would say aiming for an emotional video, a book that like made me cry or made me like want to throw it against the wall or if you know, if you have some sort of like really strong reaction, uh, those those tend to do very well.
0: Now, you mentioned that publishers have started to notice book talk. Have they started putting up their own videos yet?
1: They have. Um, And, you know, mixed success. And I spoke to somebody in a marketing department a couple of months ago about sort of how that was going. And, you know, she was saying that it's, it's so unpredictable and like, you know, they'll kind of put a lot of thought into one video and try really hard and it's nicely produced and whatever, and that kind of flops. And then they do a video that's kind of emotional where they're like, this book is amazing for seven seconds and it does well, you know? (laughs) So I think they're still figuring it out. And I think an issue that's, um, uh that comes up in a lot of social media marketing kind of questions for publishers in any company is the authenticity issue um, uh, like people don't trust something they don't think is real. You know, they are much more likely to take a book recommendation from um, another reader than they are from a publisher who obviously has a stake in how the book does. So that makes it um, trickier for publishers. So um, so yeah, I mean, what takes off on TikTok is not something that publishers can control. Uh, they're, you know, they're sending review copies to, uh, to readers and to people with lots of followers, and they're kind of trying to, um, you know they're trying to promote those relationships, and some people are probably getting paid a certain. You know people are getting paid a certain amount of money, um, but it's it's difficult for publishers to um, to really crack.
0: So Elizabeth Harris of the New York Times, if you were an author, would you rather have a prestigious Kirkus starred review or a viral book talk video review?
1: Um, if I wanted to sell books, yes. book talk. Book talk. Mm-hmm. That's my. That would be my guess. I mean, reviews certainly help, but right now, book talk, if something goes viral on BookTok, it can really explode. So, nothing against Kirkus and nothing against reviews. I would love a great review too, but if I had to pick one, I would say for on a pure sales basis, I would say TikTok at the moment.
0: Are there any other social media companies that are having the influence today that book talk is?
1: No, that's an easy one. It's really incredible. I mean, there's, you know, again, like YouTube um, has been a, a pretty interesting sales force for books over the years, Instagram. Um, but it doesn't, you know, again, back to the awesome authenticity thing, like on Instagram, you know it's like a beautiful stack of books or it's a bookshelf where that's you know lovely and color coded and it has you know the lighting is nice and um or you know it's sort of a beautiful picture of one book you know like arranged just so on a couch next to a plant or something oh my gosh my cat is going to knock over my plants, speaking hey. plants sorry <laughs> um but uh but it doesn't really get it doesn't get to the emotion and it doesn't it's not as it's not as sort of quick and satisfying and pithy as, you know, this book is great. This book is terrible. I love this book for this reason. You'll love this book for that reason. Here are six books you should read if you want to, you know, like laugh until you cry. You know that sort of thing. Like it doesn't. It's not. It's not as emotional and it's not as sort of punchy. Um, so it really, it's really, um, it's really a unique. Uh, it's got a unique level of power at this point.
0: Well, here's a nonfiction book that came out recently. The author did not do book events, but here's a review of his book we want to show.
2: Call me a martyr and masochist, but I read the first six chapters of Jared Kushner's new book, Breaking History, so you
0: don't have to. It was painful. Jared Kushner has a God complex.
2: He thinks that everything he touches turns to gold.
0: And from the beginning, he shows moral blind spots as wide as the Grand Canyon. The book is written in an as told to style, a language about 7th grade level. What comes across loud and clear is that you're reading the book of a rich kid with no interior
2: life and no introspective ability.
0: Elizabeth Harris, that's not going to help to sell books, is it?
1: I don't know. Is all is all news, you know, is all attention, good attention? but probably not, (laughs) but I don't think, but that, you know, that, that has gotten a good number of views, but the people watching that, I don't think we're ever going to read that book. I think they kind of enjoy hearing someone say the book is bad. I think that's why they're watching it. Not because they're looking for a recommendation. That would just be my guess.
0: When I grow up, I want to be an influencer. What is an, (laughs) what is an influencer?
1: Oh gosh. What is an influencer? That's a great question. I guess in this case, um, It would be somebody who can, you know, I guess a book talk influencer would be somebody with a lot of followers who take their recommendations seriously and go out and buy the books.
0: Well, here's an influencer talking about university press books.
1: Full on, like, not even humble brag, but now that
3: I've become a pretty big nonfiction book influencer, university presses are reaching out to me to send me some books, and here's what I got from University of North Carolina Press, and it's incredible. White Evangelical Racism, The Politics of Morality in America by Anthea Butler. Hammer and Ho, Alabama Communists During the Great Depression by Robin Kelly. White Balance. How Hollywood Shaped Colorblind Ideology and Undermined Civil Rights. A book that I feel guilty because I hadn't already purchased is Race for Profit. How Banks and the Real Estate Industry Undermined Black Home Ownership. And a book you just know I'm going to talk a lot about. From Asylum to Prison, Deinstitutionalization, and the Rise of Mass Incarceration after 1945. The Male Chauvinist Pig, A History. I am so thankful for UNC Press for sending me these books. I am so excited to get to these. And if you want to see who was even more excited for this package, go check it out.
0: Elizabeth Harris, how does that sell books, just showing them rather than talking about what's inside them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, so that reviewer has a lot of followers. So it's sort of, I think if that person had just posted that video as their first video, I don't think it would have done particularly well. But you know, once somebody has an established presence on BookTok, they have followers who trust them, um and are interested in what they're reading interested in what they like i mean that one is interesting cuz he doesn't even he hasn't even read them yet right he's just saying like these are the books i have but i think people are probably just curious at what he's you know they're already curious about the guy like i wonder if people will go out and buy those if he just says that they were sent to him, but maybe, I don't know, or maybe people will be like, oh, this sounds interesting, I'll put them on my list if they have similar tastes to his, Um, and he says he's excited. Um, But I'm not sure, you know, it's really, it's hard to, it's very hard to draw like a straight line from like, this video sells this many books. Um, You can kind of see Um, There have been maybe like one or two instances where I've, you know, been able to figure out, okay, this was one of the first videos that really took off that pushed this book, but it's not never precise and I would not, I would not bet on it. Um, but it, it's interesting, right? I mean, that's another sort of list format, right, where it's just like, here's a book, here's a book, here's a book, and it's just, you know, people, people also just like to talk about books, you know. I mean, readers like to talk to other readers about what they're reading. Like people who just really enjoy reading and read a lot, the sort of super readers, um, just like to talk about it. And I mean, the thing that book talk really does is it sort of supercharges word of mouth, which is has always been really the holy grail in book sales. You know, getting someone to tell their friend that they like a book is like that's what you want you want a talker you want a book that people are gonna be chatting with their friends about and you know book talk allows people all over the country all over the world to find like-minded people who like similar kinds of books and so rather than just like talking to the people they know they can talk to thousands of people they have they don't know at all and it allows these sort of communities of um you know, almost like many book clubs in a way, but like sort of these recommendation communities to sort of form organically on their own based on what people are interested in.
0: Now, I should have asked this question at the beginning, a kind of a fundamental question. Are book talk, TikTok videos limited in length? Can you do 10 minutes if you want it?
1: Oh, gosh. I don't know the answer to that question because I've never seen one that's 10 minutes. <laughs> um, I think that the successful ones are short. I think TikTok does have a limit on the, um, on the videos, but I to be honest, I don't know the number off my top of my head.
0: Is Amazon connected with this? Have they been linking at all these uh, book talk videos to their sellers pages?
1: I don't know. To be honest, I haven't noticed that, but I don't. I don't know the answer. To be frank.
0: Well, we want to show one more book talk video. This is about rediscovering the classics.
1: Are these classics worth the read? Part one, absolutely. It just gets better and better every time. A yes from me, there's so much to unpack. No found it too bizarre and not funny. Yes, Jazzy and Daisy's love story hurts to even think about. No a
2: verified sneeze fest.
0: So Tom Sawyer is a verified snooze fest on that one, and Little Women is worth uh, rereading.
1: Apparently, um, yeah. No, that that's a really interesting one. That speaks to a couple of things. Again, there's the list. There's the recommendation format, right? That people, you know, kind of want a thumbs up, thumbs down, and just like a really quick, a really quick why it's good or why it's bad. Um, and it also speaks to something that's very interesting. So in book sales, usually. Um, uh, if, if a book is ever going to sell well, and most books don't, um, sadly, uh, it's right out of the gate, but book talk highlights books that came out a couple of years ago, often, you know, a lot of books that are out in paperback now, you know, they don't have to be new or they can be classics. Like I was, I was sort of, um, surprised and little tickled when I learned that, um, there were, you know, there are some classics, um, that have really done well on um, on the platform. And, you know, I mean, people just want to want a good book. They don't really care when it came out or, you know, who's pushing it or what. They just they just want a good read.
0: Elizabeth Harris, I want to ask you about a few other issues. Where are we when it comes to audio books? How many are being listened to? Is it is it a, a growing format still?
1: Yeah, it is. It's become um, it's become a, a a substantial part of um, of book sales. It's like a it's I mean, print books, interestingly, still account for the vast majority of of um, of sales um, for publishers. Um, it hasn't the industry hasn't been disrupted the way, say, newspapers have where, you know, kind of the print versus digital shift has been really enormous for books. Print is still very strong. Um, but audiobooks have grown, um, and they grew during the pandemic, and they were growing before, um, and they're um, they're doing quite well. You know, I mean, and it's also from a publisher's perspective, it's um, you know, it's a nice it's a nice area because they don't have to ship the books. Books are heavy; you have to print them, that kind of thing. You don't have to do that. So audiobooks are um, are very are becoming are are quite important to publishers, and probably will only continue to be more so.
0: Well, earlier in this program, we noted the passing of Hilary Mantel. And uh, as a Booker Prize Award winner in England, National Book Awards are coming up. Do these tags and do these awards help sell books?
1: They do. They can, you know, they don't always, but they really can change. They really can change things for an author. Um, You know, having there are there are a good number of people who read based on award winners who read based on kind of 10 best lists from places like the New York Times things like that people people like guidance you know there's a ton of there's a ton to read every year and so a stamp like a national book award winner can can really be helpful significantly
0: Elizabeth Harris covers books and the publishing industry for the New York Times we appreciate your time on about books
1: thanks for having me
0: and you're watching and listening to the About Books program and podcast produced by Book TV. Well, each Tuesday, dozens of new books are published. Here's a recent sampling. In Hold the Line, the insurrection and one cop's battle for America's soul, former Washington, D.C. police officer Michael Fanone offers his account of his near-death experience during the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. And in An American Martyr in Persia, The Epic Life and Tragic Death of Howard Baskerville, Iranian-American scholar and TV host Reza Aslan tells the story of a South Dakota Christian missionary turned Iranian revolutionary in the early 20th century. And best-selling author Temple Grandin has a new book out titled Visual Thinking. The world-renowned animal science professor and autism advocate writes that, quote, It's possible that the most important thing my mother did for me was to not see herself primarily as the mom of a disabled kid. Dr. Grandin says she wrote her latest book because of the rise in autism diagnoses and that these seem to be holding children back. Her book was recently reviewed in the Wall Street Journal, and as a side note, Temple Grandin appeared on Book TV's In-Depth program a few years back And that entire three-hour interview can be watched online at booktv.org. Well, each week as well, national publications publish their reviews of newly released books. Here's two. The National Review magazine looks at John Agresto's new book, The Death of Learning. The subtitle is How American Education Has Failed Our Students and What to Do About It. Now, Dr. Agresto is the former president of St. John's College, and his book is a defense of liberal arts education. The National Review writes that, quote, there is nothing new in the death of learning, but there is plenty of good sense. In fact, it is one of the best defenses of a liberal arts education. It is both realistic and nonpartisan. And that's according to the reviewer, Micah Maddox. Another book recently reviewed is David Quammen's latest, Breathless, The Scientific Race to Beat a Deadly Virus. The prolific scientist is also the author of the best-selling book, Spillover, about animal infections transmitting to humans. Well, in his latest book, Mr. Quammen attempts to pinpoint the origins of the COVID-19 virus. The Wall Street Journal had the former head of the FDA, Scott Gottlieb, review it. And in his review... Dr. Gottlieb writes, quote, While Mr. Quammen devotes considerable time exploring the efforts to pinpoint the virus's origin and concludes that COVID jumped from one species to another, he doesn't recount the national security reporting that can be used to buttress the lab leak theory. Now you will see all these books and authors featured in the near future on Book TV. Also coming up on Book TV, on our Afterwards program, it's Bloomberg News' Mark Bergen, who looks at the growth and creation of YouTube and how it's changed society. He was interviewed by Politico tech policy reporter Rebecca Kern. Here's a preview. I thought this was a fascinating story about this uh, media platform that's really, despite its size and influence, just not had the same level of attention as some of its peers. And I thought Within that story, you have plenty of fascinating characters on YouTube. And then inside the company, you have this whiplash of going from the underdog uh, to sort of seen as big tech uh, and seen as something that is associated with a lot of uh, problems in democracy. And a reminder that Afterwards airs every Sunday at 10 p.m. on Book TV. Well, thanks for joining us for About Books, a program and podcast produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. Book TV will continue to bring you publishing news and author events, and you can get this podcast and all the C-SPAN podcasts on our C-SPAN Now app. You can also watch all our programs online at booktv.org.